Blog Talk Radio. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast, where we are unpacking our issues mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So this month, we've taken a different route, and we'll be back to having our counselor as well as our clergy of the month. So right now, because we have an election coming up, there's politics, we're going to talk about the state of the African-American community in voting. So today I'm coming to you live from Ultimate Images, where the owner is Carlos House. And so, as we know, and when you think back about the foundations of where the African-American community, you always talked about politics in the church and in the barbershop. So today, we're just going to talk with some of the other clients in the shop and just see what we have to say, what's going on in the community. So, Carlos? I'm going to need you to come on over here with me. (laughs) So, as you know, the barbershop has always been, as I said, a real big component. Um, It's just been the communication key for the black community. And so a lot of times when we're in here, there's a lot of conversation going on. And so we're looking at the upcoming elections that we have. Um, Just want to get a little bit of your thought as to, because it seems like for some reason when it comes to the Democratic Party, they always feel like they're just automatically going to have our vote. You know, they don't really work really hard to get it sometimes. They just feel like it's automatic. And I know growing up in the South, you know, a lot of parents, how they taught their kids how to vote was, you know, they took you in a voting booth with you, and they said, pull the Democratic lever. You know what I'm saying? And for me, I know I really didn't learn how to vote until after I left, went in the military, and when I lived in Chicago. Chicago, especially Cook County, man, is one of those powerhouses. You know, you find where they educate the voters, uh, people do their research, and I tell you what, if you come in and, you know, you get elected in, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, Cook County is going to put you out. So I just want to know what you think about that. I think the... I think the community um, needs, um, they need the resources in order to know that they're well represented. There are many communities that are underprivileged and many are underserved. Um, I think for the most part, uh, we want to have confidence in government, but I think the relationship is, uh, as far as our historical references, people have lost a lot of confidence in that. Um, but we have to talk about the economics of our community. We have to have discussions about education in our community. We have to have discussions about, you know, the finances and business and things like that. And we need a platform and someone that can well represent us 
in an area that can have the influence through government. But um, many times we've not um, taken confidence in that. The barbershop is one of the places that we can have a discussion. There's many guys from many different facets that come in, and we have discussions in this type of platform. Um, but nonetheless, we're not always heard in the capacity that we need to. So this is a great opportunity to kind of bridge a gap using this as a platform to, you know, uh, to be heard, and, and not only heard, but also um, represented. So I think this is a great opportunity that's going on today, and um, I think it's something that's well needed, especially when you look at elections and things like that. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. So then, <clears throat> what do you think that we're going wrong when it comes to <laughs> pulling our youth in to vote, getting them more informed, getting them more into voting? What, what, what do you think? What do you think is needed? Um, our youth or the shape of our future. Um, I'm from the old school, you know, face-to-face type things like that. But our youth are so talented and very um, – their skills as far as how they communicate, it will be something needed um, for the, you know, expansion of community and things like that. I think our youth uh, would love to be involved in politics. I think we see more action when we look at the events through – Uh, D.C., Black Lives Matter, things like that, they want to be more involved. They want to be actively involved. The dynamic, though, will always fall back on what's economically the thrust of what we do. So as we grow in business, as we pursue our future, you know, uh, you know, uh, our future as far as where we're going in the future, the youth needs to be involved. Mm -hmm. Politics is one of the ways they can be involved. Right. Um, we need leadership. We need um, activists. We need economics, things that are important to make that community be pushed. So it's very important that we do discuss or have that discussion regarding these things. I think the youth want to tremendously participate with that. Yeah, and I agree. And I think we, we really got to find a way to educate the youth. We got to figure out how we're going to educate them um, because it is important. And as they say, you know, I mean, they're, they're our future. And so, you know, legislature is, is really huge. And so when we get our young people, when we, when we get them involved, you know, and helping them to understand that when they cast their votes, you know, I think a lot of times we just, we vote people in and we just leave them there just to run it. Um, but we have an obligation after we get people voted in, get them elected, we have an obligation to make sure that they stay on task. And if we think of different laws that can help change or can better the community, we need to bring it to those, we need to bring it to those representatives and allow them to go through the process in order to make those different things actually become law. So I have another gentleman sitting over here at the shop. <laughs> and want to just see what's your thoughts um, as far as voter education, um, what can we do in order to inform? Because so many times it seems like you have different people that are in a political the political arena, but they're coming from cliques. You know, it's like who knows who they're pulling this person in, um, you know, and it's like they get a walk-in pass on it, you know, because someone else endorses them. What's, what's, what's your thought? 
I think that elected officials are meant to be for the people as they have been elected to be. Um, I think the political process as it exists is one that is based a lot on the ability to raise money, to gather money, to collect money, um, which may be unfortunate because I think what happens is people who really have a heart for helping people may often be left out of the left away from the table because they don't have the financial means in order to be a real political player. Um, so I think that the opportunities for people to run for office should be considered. And there should be a way to make the process a little bit more equitable so that some so that those people who may have a desire to serve are not necessarily ostracized from the process because they don't have the financial means to mm-hmm. run for the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's definitely um, a good point. Um, you know, and I don't want to actually, like, call out any specific names, but there's a, a candidate that I see that is, has been very, very um, busy in the community um, trying to get different things done, um, contacting the city, making sure that different areas are cleaned up. You know, and one of the questions that I actually asked that particular person is, you know, we see you now because you're out here, you're being vigilant, um, you're showing interest in the community, you know, but is this something that will stand? Will it continue? So what are your thoughts on how do we, hold people accountable once they get into office. Politics is two-way street. Um, we, we use our voices to vote people in and out of office, but while they are serving, it is also our responsibility to continue to communicate with our politicians so that they are accountable to their constituencies. The way that we do that is we reach out to them, email, phone calls, text messages, whatever means of communication we have to communicate with them, we need to exercise in continuing that dialogue. Mm -hmm. They have a certain set of responsibilities that they have to adhere to, but they're also accountable to the people who put them in office. I think some politicians do a really, really good job of keeping that line of communication open. And for those that do not, we need to use our voices because I think that we think a lot of times as voters that once we've cast our vote, we've done our job. Mm -hmm. The job is to maintain that accountability and we do that through continuing the dialogue and using the channels that are available to us from those politicians to continue that conversation and hold them accountable, particularly for the things that they said that they wanted to deliver on and there, be, there could be any number of reasons why that politician isn't able to deliver specifically on a, on a campaign promise that he or she made. But at least if there's an open dialogue, we as the general public can understand why they weren't able to meet those promises and figure out ways that it can and so that we can continue to collectively talk about a means of moving forward. Right. No, I mean, everything that you said, I wholeheartedly agree upon. Um, and that was one of the conversations that I had with Representative Chris Hart. Um, 
you know, because as I told them, you know, we help get you in, but then a lot of times we we fall short on we see things that's wrong and we can complain about them. But, you know, I think the whole process of teaching people um, how to create different laws and, you know, when you go to them and, and talk to them about about the issues that's going on. Um, for instance, we have a bill that we've been working on for like the last three years with dealing with veterans, you know. There was an issue that I saw that where the state and federal did not line up as far as once the person gets 100% disability as to how they deal with them for being exempt for their housing um, taxes as well as car taxes. And so that's the law that actually just passed the House and it'll be sitting in the Senate for them to vote on when they go back. You know, so we were definitely responsible for doing our part and helping them to be successful in their terms and doing things that's going to help our community. Um, what do you think are, is one of the ways that we can try to, and, you know, I keep talking about this, but we have to, if we don't get our youth more involved um, and just teaching them how, because, you know, I know for myself when I was younger, you know, I didn't know that you needed to take the time to research candidates, you know, for a good while until, you know, I joined joined the military and, and moved, you know, to different states. I would just do exactly what I was taught. You just go in and just pull the Democratic lever, you know, and that's not a good thing to do, you know, because we're not making any people feel like they just automatically, if you run Democrat, you're just going to get the black vote and they don't have to work for us. And so we have to figure out ways to get people educated on that, just even a process as to how to select the candidates. I think that research is probably the most important part of what what you said. I think that we have to educate ourselves. We have to be willing to do the work to understand the platforms of the candidates. We have to ask questions. And we have to be smart in how we're judging that information. That means we need to spend time checking multiple sources for what a candidate has said. Because often a quote or two might get lifted from an entire five-minute speech. Someone may pull out an excerpt, and then that becomes a headline or a talking point for someone else. So we have to be vigilant. We have to be thorough in doing our research and do more than just what's said on a commercial, what we've heard in the news, what we saw in a newspaper. Compare multiple sources to find out if you can get a sense of what the candidate is about. Go to his or her website, check his or her social media, find out whatever you can find, but verify your sources. It's one of the things that we always need to be really cognizant of is looking in more than one place for information to find out if that information is valid. Sometimes people will take a portion of something and make more or less of something depending on what their point of view is. So we always have to ask ourselves, who is writing this story? Where is this information coming from? Is this a credible source? And that is how we need to sort of arm ourselves with information going forward. Once we 
feel like we have a strong sense of that candidate. If it's someone that you truly believe in, if it's someone that you truly endorse, then use your voice and speak to others about it, but not only tell them, they need to be encouraged to <laughs> research for themselves as well. So I think to the point that, you, that you're asking, I think our knowledge is our power mm-hmm. in being able to research and look for credible, and I stress that, credible information about what's being written about people, what their policies are, what their platforms are, and the things that they stand for. No candidate is going to be a person. That's right. Um, but the question is, is this person going to be effective in the job even if you disagree with one or two of his or her positions on something? It doesn't mean that it's a bad candidate. Right, 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 right. I mean, because we have to look at our own selves, you know what I mean? I mean, we're not perfect, you know, and we're not going to always have the perfect solution. We're not, you know, this is why you have different opinions. You know, and this is why we have to have conversations like this in order to bring these issues to life. So when you look at the state of where we're at now um, and just what's going on in the world, what are some of the things that you find um, when looking at a candidate that you want to see them do in order to help the community? What are some of the issues that I mm-hmm. what, yeah, what, yeah. what do you want to see um, maybe change? Or I think it depends. I think it depends on the, 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 the level of the candidate. I think sometimes we, we try to hold people accountable for things that they really don't have any control over. I think we need to understand the level of the office that the person is seeking and what powers come along with that office because we work in a democratic process. And so sometimes people are elected to offices but that doesn't mean that they have an autonomy to just do whatever it is that they there's a process, there are procedures, there are protocols that are in place that that person has to operate within that allows him or her to do the work that they have been sent to do. On that note, um, I think sort of in a a global answer to your to your question is I think healthcare is one of my, my biggest concerns. It's the lack thereof in the the fact that there are so many people who still don't have access to quality health care is one of the things that I think about a lot. Um, Opportunities for middle and lower class families to be able to have access to the same sorts of programs and some of the same kind of equal access or an equitable access to things that, that we have to offer. Um, and I also think about one of the one of the issues that I think about a lot too is voting rights. Um, access to equal voting, like this country is meant to be a democratic society in which we as the people have the right to choose our leaders in a way that is equitable and is fair um, and it is well distributed throughout the country so that we are getting leaders that we've chosen and not leaders that are chosen for 
good. That's good. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. I mean, you nailed it. I mean, really. Um, you know, I looked at one of the, the past elections that we had when we were dealing with the office of um, the coroner's office. And, you know, a lot of times people don't see the coroner until someone dies, you know. And I know for the longest time, I I thought that, hey, that's, that's just all that he does. He deals with the investigation and everything, not knowing that there's something called the coroner's inquest. And with the coroner's inquest, you know, you have a jury, you have a jury of six people, but you definitely don't have a judge. And so when they talk about, well, hey, we're going to have a coroner's inquest, you know, it leads people to believe that there is an actual judge in place but it's not. And so having to actually deal with that, deal with that process, seeing how a lot of times when the coroner, for instance, the, the past one that we had, had been in, the, had been in the office almost 20 years, no one ran against them. Um, when you look at how in that office, there had never been anyone that was in healthcare. I mean, you had so many different backgrounds. Um, and he stayed in there for a very long time because it was one of those, well, if it ain't broke, hey, don't, don't bother it. But not understanding and knowing that the power that he actually has. I mean, you're talking about there was an inquest that happened um, in 2013. And dealing with that particular inquest, um, you know, a lot of people, they, they actually thought that, hey, you know, by the time everything was done, oh, they had to have had a, you know, a judge or whatever, but that wasn't the instance. And looking at the fact that you actually had, um, it appeared to be one of those situations where the solicitor's office, um, the actual police department, all of them were in cahoots together. And so, the coroner's inquest is a one-sided process. You know, the other person doesn't get an opportunity to ask any questions to object to anything. You know, and so basically with that, they utilize that to allow the police officers to actually get off on murdering a young man, you know. And so we have to know, it's, it's very important to know exactly what these different offices um, that we're voting people in, that the power that they actually have. And that was one of the things that you said, and I just wanted, you know, just to share an instance in, you look at the fact of how long that particular corner had been in the office, and no one really knew exactly, you know, they don't know anything about a corner's inquest until it happens, you know. So we definitely need to do our homework. Do you have any other concerns? One of mine is um, dealing with mental health. Um, it's a biggie. And we've had discussions where, unfortunately, a lot of times police officers are called out for different things, but they're not equipped to deal with that, you know. Um, and so sometimes they do get a, a, a bad, a bad, you know, rep when it comes to that because they don't know how to handle this. And so for me, I think it's going to be really important to have people in office that can begin to deal with health care, health, mental health um, it's, 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 it's important, you know, we have to have that awareness and looking at different programs to where we can help because a lot of people that you have that's out here that's homeless or whatever, it's a lot of mental, it's a lot of mental health, mental illness issues. And we have to find a way because the solution for them is not just to lock them up, 
but it seems that that's what happens all the time. And so we have to find a way to figure out what can we do, you know, because you see a lot of situations where there's actually it started out as someone called the police, but it actually, when you look at it and examine and get deep into it, it was, it was, it was a, mental, a mental health issue. And so it's like, what do you do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that my idea falls under the, the talk about health care, mental health is one of the, would be one of my bullet points under access to equitable health care. And I agree wholeheartedly that there are instances where people who may be struggling with mental health issues or may be dealing with mental health issues are not treated in accordance with what they may be struggling with if we're sort of looking at things through sort of a one-size-fits-all sort of lens. Well, definitely we're not going to um, drag this out forever. Um, We're going to go ahead and definitely, I I definitely appreciate you sitting here um, talking with me. You have definitely um, given some Really good point. Um, I definitely enjoyed the, the conversation, and um, I don't know, man. We got to dive into the thing a lot more to help our community and to get the education piece and awareness out here, so that we can begin to make better informed decisions. Because I believe that one of the big things for our community is that when we begin to, it was um, when I was at Chicago State. One of my political um, science professors always said, man, when the sleeping giant finally awakes, then we can make an impact to where it helps our community. You know, um, I have a couple of friends that, I, you know, we always talk about, you know, who you want to vote for, you know, and sometimes we break it up with, hey, you research this person, you research that one, and we come back together to make an informed decision, you know. Um, and I think, you know, just having those type of circles and doing that actually helps because you're not just that one sole person out here trying to look up and get all the information on everybody, you know. And then with that, you're being able to have these conversations with a group of people. And you share in your circle, they share in the next circle, and this is how we make a difference, you know. So I definitely thank you. Thank you. Um, this is Pressure Points Unpacked, and I'm your host, Tyra Little, and we will be back next week. And that's it. It's all right.